<laughs> Coming to you from the Rocky Mountain Home Haunter Studio, this is Haunting You, a podcast for home haunters to help you create the home haunt of your dreams. I'm John Schilt. I'm Keone Hutton. And I'm Leslie Reed. Happy May the 4th, everyone. Happy Star Wars Day to everybody. Hope I'm wearing indulged. my proper Star Wars shirt. Which one do you have on? My AT-AT Walker shirt. I actually have one of the Falcon on. Very good. I'm wearing okay. black boxer briefs with Millennium Falcon, like gold Millennium Falcons all over it. I'll take gold. Yeah, Ooh. it's hot. Fancy. I'm sure your wife maybe is we should, to say Maybe we could post that on Twitter later. Anyway. <laughs> no one so this photo. Is, Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll put up a Twitter poll with that later. Do <laughs> oh, you want God, to see please no. don't. I think we may have to. It's out there now. <clears throat> So with this episode, we'll be covering lighting for your haunt. Why are we doing lighting? I don't know. Because without lighting, you can uh, turn the lights. Without lighting, you can charge more. (laughs) (laughs) As we learn, as we learn from our good friend, yeah, as we learn from our good friend Brian Boyle uh, at the at the convention. I do want to bring that up At later. On Twitter. Yeah, I still want to bring up. I do want to bring that point up later in the episode. Um, so keep that in mind, Les. Absolutely. Now, lighting is—it's crucial to your haunt because lighting is the way that you visually direct your your guests to what you want them to see. It directs them away from what you don't want them to see. It lights your scares. It enhances your scares, and it moves helps move your guests through the the um, through the entirety of your haunt. So lighting overall is is crucial to how your haunt runs and operates. I don't know that I could have said that any better. Well done. Much more profound uh. than my sound. <laughs> <laughs> you need a drink when we do this more often. <laughs> <laughs> we need to not do this at, you know, 7 in the morning. So, so we have... There is that. <laughs> One host is in his boxers, the other's getting drunk. <laughs> Fantastic. We're, profession- we're, we're professionals here, let's be honest. We're, we're on a roll. Yeah, but you... Bring out, you uh, I think you just absolutely nailed it on the head, Les. I think Disney does, like, just a fantastic job of this. Thinking back to, like, the Haunted Mansion... Um, it is a completely dark ride, except for where they want you to be looking. Each of those scenes is carefully lit to draw your eyes there. Something that my uh, driver's ed instructor told me when I was 15, uh, and it has always stuck with me. John, what's the first thing your eyes see? I would assume you see the oncoming truck. No. That's the second thing you'll see. The lights of the oncoming truck. Light! No, light is the first thing that will hit your eye, and it is the first thing that your eye will register. The second thing is movement. So, keeping... It's not going to matter a whole lot after that truck. Well, that's true, but we'll try to avoid the truck. If you see it, you can avoid the truck. John, avoid the trucks. You'll live longer. Big red truck! Okay, I'm done. Fact. But that's something that I try to keep in mind (laughs) as I'm designing uh, lighting into my haunts. Uh, the first thing that people are going to see is light. Their eyes are automatically going to be drawn toward wherever I'm putting the light. The second thing they're going to see is movement. So when I'm trying to hide an actor, I want to put that movement in darkness as much as possible, draw their eyes away from the movement with the light so that the movement is undetected. What is the best way to do that? Well, that's what we're going to get into. That's what we're going to get into <laughs> over the next, hopefully, somewhere around 40 minutes. We'll see how it shakes out after I finish editing. <laughs> Well, that was oddly specific. <laughs> Fair enough. So, how much alcohol is in this? Not enough. <laughs> Actually, oh no, wait, this, they don't put it on there because it's basically like twelve percent and up because you age it. No, okay, I'm pretty sure that's enough. Eh, I mean, eh. All right, fine. Let's go get another beer. I'm not done with this one yet. Irrelevant. So, where are we going? So, for each location in your haunt, uh, you need to first think about what are you trying to achieve in this space? Um, Is this a walkway to get them uh, to the next scare? Uh, Is this a scare room? Is it, are you just trying to disorient them? Are you trying to build the anticipation for the next scare? The purpose of the room will drive the kind of lighting that you want to use there. 
there are really four types of lighting that I want to use in my haunt. And when I say types of lighting, I don't mean the actual type of the light fixture, but we'll get to that. I mean the purpose of the lighting. So the first is to highlight something in the space. And that can be either uh, a really neat prop or something on the wall. Maybe it's uh, a projection of zombies trying to burst through a window, something like that. Uh, but that's to, when you're highlighting something, you're drawing the guest's attention to that something. So the second purpose that I want to talk about is to hide something. So this is your distraction lighting. You are trying to draw your guest's eyes toward the light so that one of your scare actors can sneak up behind them, get right in their face, and uh, provide the scare that way. This is the kind of lighting I used with uh, Victor Zaz's cell. Um, <laughs> he was not are you okay over there? No, I'm not drunk enough. I was going to say, I'm the one who's drinking. Why are you the one who's having issues? <laughs> because I didn't think out what I was trying to say and put it down on the uh, thing because I did this five minutes before we started. Fair enough. So this is the kind of lighting that I used in Victor Zaz when we did Arkham Asylum. Uh, we were trying to draw our guest's eyes to Victor Zaz as he's sitting there playing poker with three dead guards um, so that they don't see uh, the masked Joker uh, slip in behind them so he can startle them before running them off into the last part of the haunt. So the third type of lighting is your environment lighting. This is what you'll be using either in those in-between spaces between the big scare rooms or potentially out in the queue as people are waiting to get into the haunt or even over the entire haunt if you have like an outdoor haunt or um, your haunted trails, hayride, something like that. This is helping to set the atmosphere, to set the mood for the guests to get them in the right mindset for the scaring. The, the ambient lighting is also to make sure that, you know, the guests can see enough to get where they need to go without tripping, without causing injuries. Again, to a certain extent, you do want to have a base level of lighting so people can actually see where they're going. Yes. Especially as they start to get more scared, they start to speed up, making sure that you're illuminating any stairs, any tripping hazards. That's what your ambient lighting is going to do. Yes. Unless you are trying very purposefully to disorient your guests. What is the most common way that we disorient our guests? You can't Strobe see, lights? you don't know Strobe where lights. you're going. John for the win. Oh, that too. Strobe, no, light, yeah, strobe lights are the most disorienting feeling because it's breaking up your motion or it's breaking up the movement that they can see so everything looks disjointed um, and it has a tendency to really throw people off. That's a time when you are deliberately trying to disorient your guests and so as Leslie was saying that those spaces need to be extra safe so they can move through it safely as or even out while they're disoriented. More importantly, what, what do I win? Epic bragging rides! Oh, and, and I'm sorry, could I not mention this? A $42,000 gift card to David Buster's! Okay, I want that notated. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm thinking about is those 40 Gs to DMBs. <laughs> you get the title of, you are a meaningful and valued member of this team. I'd rather have the $40,000, I think. <laughs> yeah, if only we you had that kind of money to give away. <laughs> so we have a variety of types of lighting that we can use in order to help us meet each of these purposes okay what kinds of lighting do you refer to well john there are all kinds of lighting that we can use to help us meet these purposes and i'll be constantly asking myself uh what is the purpose of this light as i'm trying to install it i have a great image of you like looking at a light and asking yourself that question there I just kind of wanted to turn on over your head as soon as you get a conclusion, so, you know, got a good visual there. When you get the idea, does a light bulb go off in your head? I have such great friends. I don't know how I'm going to work that in, but I'm going to work that in. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to use as you see fit. Thank you, thank you. I pretty mm -hmm. much was planning to anyway. So yeah, do you just have, enough. like, random clips of, of things that we say that you say, and you're like, well, I'm going to use this later. I don't know when, I don't know where, I don't know how. Yes. I'm going to have to save this and use this later. Yes, I do. That's what drops are for. They're, they're wonderful. Yeah. If you listen, like, all the way to the end of an episode after the credits and everything, yes. there's usually a drop there. <laughs> so, yeah, for all of our listeners, listen even after the copyright information, the licensing information, listen, there's usually a... Well, a weird, weird thing. We're like Marvel, but much lower budget. <laughs> <laughs> There's an end podcast scene. 
and I'm totally working that line in as well, probably as a drop. <laughs> in fact, that's probably going to be the drop on this episode. We're like Marvel. We're like Marvel, just We're really like Marvel. low budget. <laughs> Happy to help. Clearly, I need to drink when we do these. <laughs> Should be a good just staff policy. Less. Let's talk about types of lighting fixtures that we can use in our haunts. Alrighty, so let's start, let's start with strobe lights. Well, let's talk about uh, your environmental lighting first. There's a lot of different ways you can light your haunt, and a lot of it depends on what you're trying to do, and you're actually going to probably change a good portion of your lighting from room to room, even to do the ambient lighting, on whether it's lit from overhead, whether you've got um, lights along the floor, and you're trying to light up. A lot of things that you want to consider with lighting as well, it's not just the light, it's with the shadows. Um, what, where does it generate shadows? And whether or not those shadows uh, help or hinder your haunt. So again, you're not just trying to dis you're not just trying to light your haunt. You're also trying to shadow your haunt in the process as well. And your ambient lighting is going to be kind of one of the places that you want to start with that. Once you've determined your ambient lighting, then you can set up all the rest of your lights to again highlight or shadow each room of your haunt. Yes. Some of my favorite ways of doing ambient lighting are to use actual like lighting fixtures that you would find in a regular house or building. So uh, when we were doing the hospital scenes, we had um, fluorescent fixtures above, dimmed down and often flickering on and off, stuff like that, but fixtures that fit the uh, facility that we were working in. If you wanted to do like a, uh, a fortune teller scene, Maybe you have uh, a creepy-looking candle chandelier above her. Or uh, if you're doing like a medieval scene, you have torches periodically throughout the hallways. Uh, those new flickering light bulbs, uh, flickering flame light bulbs are awesome for, uh, for something like that. As much as the authenticity of real torches is delightful and desired, the fire hazard and fire marshal code is not worth fighting it. That being said, we have used real fire in our haunt. Uh, let me rephrase. We have used real fire outside our haunt in the facade at the front, and it was um, positioned eight feet up, so there was zero chance of it catching on a guest. Well, and it was also exposed to open air, so there was no issue with smoke. There was no issue with it being covered. Yes. Um, so, again... Outside your haunt, um, with your queue, um, giving Harley fire is always a great idea, um, but not inside your haunt, especially <laughs> if you're in an enclosed area. John, I want you to put that on Twitter as well. Is giving Harley fire a, ever a good idea? It's a great idea. For the first ever complete shutout of a Twitter poll. <laughs> sure. They <laughs> can do that. Yeah, but let's, I mean, how do you do fire safely? I mean... Uh, one of the easiest way to do fire safely, tiki torches. So, Twitter poll, boxers, Harley, fire. Got it. Good. Good job, John. <laughs> Just remember to put the Harley and the fire in an opposite pole from the boxers. Ooh, yeah. Okay. And line. Okay. Once you've established your environmental lighting, your ambient lighting, then it's time to look at each individual space of your haunt uh, separately and determining what's going to happen in this space. You should be doing this all the way from the design phase, uh, but now you're trying to accent each of those things using your lighting. So if you want to highlight something, what's the best light to do that? Depends on how much you want it highlighted. Yes, good point, Leslie. What do you mean? So, I mean, if you want to highlight something, if you're on stage, use a spotlight. However, that's a large space of light, depending on how what your aperture is, and it's a very, very bright light. That doesn't necessarily work, except maybe in some outdoor haunts you might be able to get away with that. In indoor haunt, remember, you're in a small room, you're in an enclosed space. You really want to be able to isolate um, and enhance. So a spotlight, which is great, is not really a good way to go for an indoor haunt. Um, so again, it, it really depends on what what you're highlighting and how much you want to highlight it. Um, you could probably make do with a flashlight in some cases of to, to show a particular thing if that gets, if that's the right beam, if that's the right ambient, and if it's the right color. A great place to look for uh, small spotlights like that is actually Fright Props. That's frightprops.com. And they carry a product called Nano Spots. Uh, these are 
about the they're about three inches long, uh, have an LED inside, and will do a fantastic job of only putting light exactly where you want it. They run off 12 volts, uh, so we're talking low voltage instead of regular 120 voltage. We'll talk more about that shortly. But a great solution for illuminating something very small. It's an appropriate name. It's a spotlight, but it's nano. Okay, so we just talked about spotlights. What about floodlights? Clever transition. On that subject, in fact, we have a question here. JLR106. Spotlights and floodlights, what's the difference? Which one is more effective in your hunt? Question mark. Depends what you're trying to do. So the biggest difference between a spotlight and a floodlight is how much area it's going to cover when it's on. So a floodlight gives you a nice warm ambient glow over a large area. It gives you a large wash. Whereas a spotlight gives you a very focused, intense light in a much more narrow spot. Hence, spotlight. So for like your environmental ambient lighting, maybe a floodlight is more appropriate. In some of my earliest haunts, I used a red floodlight to eliminate my entire yard where I had a graveyard set up. I wanted to be able to see like the open graves and some of the static props that were out there uh, without shedding too much light onto the rest of the house. And a red spotlight did that, or excuse me, a red floodlight so, did that very well. How do you go about changing the color of the lights that you're using? Ah, depends on the kind of light. Because uh, this is mostly dedicated toward home haunters, and that's what I am, and I'm cheap <laughs> True home enough. haunter. I used prime, yeah, I used primarily uh, colored floodlights that you can pick up at any grocery store or like Home Depot. Um, they have blue, they have green, they have red, and they all cost like six bucks a piece. It gets me through the season and um, sometimes multiple seasons. I mean, I've got a red light, a red floodlight out there that I've been using for probably 10 seasons now they're they're awesome so what other types of lights are most likely to be used for a home haunter and specifically for a beginning home haunter someone who again low budget still learning the ropes what what would you suggest are the top kind of two types of lights that they would want to have on hand when building their haunt sure Sure. So in the in just your back pocket, you should always have a variety of floodlights. You should mm. definitely ha just don't sit on them. That gets very painful very quickly. These are good tips. Thank you. Thank you. We 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 strive to be for very uh, safety minded to have good tips. Exactly. You should definitely invest in some kind of strobe lights. Um, who is it? Spirit Halloween, of course, has inexpensive strobe lights every year and various in various sizes as well. Um, I used. Let's see, on Arkham, we had probably seven or eight of their inexpensive strobe lights going. And then I have two uh, high-quality DJ-level strobe lights that I use for very specific areas. You know, that's just investing over the course of years. I started out with a really cheap strobe lights, and uh, as I got more money, I was able to get nicer ones. But I still keep using the cheap ones. I can just have strobes in more areas. Did you ever resort to theft? No comment. I take the fifth. One of these days, <laughs> one episode, the answer is going to be theft. Yeah, Maybe it's, not it's this still one, not this but it's one. coming. Sorry, John. Someday. Oh, so what I love about the floodlights, they're inexpensive. Uh, you can get look uh, check out your Home Depot around Christmas because they always have these um, little stake, like it's just a socket that you stick in the ground on a stake and it has a six-inch plug on it that you can screw any bulb into. I grab those things like crazy because I can use a spring clamp, uh, mount them all over my haunt, and then I have a uh, super inexpensive lighting fixture for doing ambient lighting anywhere I want. The other really useful one is uh, most hardware stores will carry some sort of clamp light in the same place wherever they have their, like, uh, their drop lights for extension cords. It'll be in that same area. This is just a um, a spring clamp with a socket on the end and a metal bowl to project or to help concentrate the light into one direction. Same thing. Super cheap. They cost probably 10 bucks a piece. And um, I use them all over my haunt because they're just super easy to clamp it onto the top of a wall and leave it. Maybe you should give them the clamps, clamps. Gee. You think? You think that maybe I should use these clamps that I use every day at every opportunity? Right. 
<laughs> not where you. That's not where you wanted to go with the clamp. No, no, that was good. No, oh, okay. What about black lights. <laughs> you want to talk about black lights or should I? I would love to talk about black lights. Go for it. Oh boy. <laughs> well, somebody has to ask me. Otherwise, I'm asking myself. No, no, we That's we just weird. we just no. Oh no, I'm using no, no, all no. of this. I fully support. I fully support Leslie asking herself the questions. <laughs> all of this conversation that we've just had, I'm using all of it. So just go for it. <laughs> Alrighty. So black lights. Um, you know, a lot of people would think you think Halloween, you think black lights. Let's make it look weird. Let's make it look different. Um, black lights have their place. But you have to be very, very, very careful about where they're, where you actually, where, where the light hits. You have to be very, very careful about where the light hits when you're dealing with black lights, for one very simple reason. Hey, John, when you went to Skate City when you were a kid, and you were skating under the black light, what did you notice? A lot of things. Like what? Did those many, things many have things. anything to do with the rest of the room? No. And what that is you... why you have to be very careful. <laughs> no, they did that. What were you seeing? So what I noticed most of all when they turned the black light on was shoelaces. But the notification, the fact <laughs> that, you know, the first thing you notice when somebody, when black light hits somebody, doesn't matter how many times they've been at a black light party. It doesn't matter how many times they've been surrounded by black light. As soon as black light hits a guest the distraction is complete. They will not notice anything mm -hmm. else. They will not notice the scares. All they will notice, and the, you know, the group, individual, it doesn't matter. As soon as a black light hits one of your guests, the only thing they're going to be looking at is themselves and seeing what looks different. What lights up? Do my shoelaces? How do my teeth look? Oh, hey, my watch lights up. Oh, my, <laughs> my shirt has these weird things on it. Oh, does anybody have a highlighter? I want to go play with a highlighter. And even worse, if you have children... As among your groups, they are going to stop in their tracks <laughs> to look at themselves and be amazed at what's and happening. And each other, and, and that, and you, and it is going to kill the throughput that you have going. Well, and it's people also... are going to get bogged down, and people are going to start uh, crashing into the groups in front of them because they stop to look at what the black light's doing. And you also have the hazard of you now have small children's frozen because who looked black light? My shoelaces are dried up. Oh, hey, there's dandruff on your shirt. And now you have people getting run over because they're not moving. So blacklight, really, really cool effect. You have to make extra sure that that is not ever going to hit your guests. And until you are confident in your lighting abilities and your uh, storyline, your theme, your throughput, avoid blacklights. They're really cool. And I would say if you do want to have them, put them at the queue. Put them on the people at the front to get them, you know, thinking about it, thinking about different things, but do not put them in your haunt unless you are absolutely 100% sure that you have full control over where those black lights hit. I disagree just a tad with what you said, Les. Um, put them in your haunt, but test what test where they are a lot before opening night. You should be doing walkthroughs of your haunt and testing every aspect of it uh, before you bring your guests in this is just one more thing that you should be testing thoroughly and if you're using a black light to say highlight this stuff on the wall over here just make sure that it's far enough in the room that your guests get inside the room and they get scared before the black light hits them or because that once that happens or that they don't have enough time they're on their way out anyway right or that they don't have enough time to explore the room and end up you know again because you'll have people and i, I will full 100 admit i'm one of them I see a black light, and my first thing is, ooh, I wonder what lights up on me today. And I will go over to the <laughs> black light. So, again, you, and I, I do caution against using black lights. I mean, Kay, you have a, a good point. You know, use them, but make sure you've tested them. But if you're not confident in, you know, what you're doing, if you're not, you know, if, if this is your first time doing this, black lights, I think, are something that you really want to be careful when you use them. And I would definitely, you know, wait until you're a more experienced haunter to make sure that you're using them correctly and it's not going to end up accidentally damaging your haunt even to create a really really cool effect so yeah black lights in a nutshell they are fun though they are fun 
Uh, that actually is a pretty good segue, though, into color of lights. Besides black, I mean, you can use any color of light. Uh, but some things to think about. During my time with theater, there were two colors that were absolutely critical to everything I was doing backstage. That's red and blue. Les, why are red and blue so important? So red is important backstage because it does not travel very, very far. So you light your backstage with red and your stagehands can see what's going on. Um, your actors aren't walking off stage into complete pitch black, uh, but the light does not carry onto the stage itself. Exactly. And, uh, and if I more, remember correctly, blue does the similar thing. Yes. So blue will actually travel less far than red does, but blue will affect your night vision. Red does not. With you, If you're only using red lights, your actors will maintain whatever night vision they have with those red lights. Anytime you use blue, though, it's going to damage their night vision, but it's not going to travel as far either. So if you're working in a very well, low-light situation... It's, it's going to affect their night vision. It's not going to damage it. They're not going to be irreparably but, unable to, to work point, in the dark. Fair point. But it is, it, is, it is going to affect their night vision, so it's not going to be as crystal clear. So if you have actors who are you know, moving in, you know, and, and haunts are, depending on how you set up your haunt, there could be a variety of, of backstage and, and not backstage. If you do have actors moving and you do have kind of a backstage section, light it with red um, to preserve their night vision so that way when they get into the room and they get into position for their scare, if they have to move between scares, um, they can do so quickly, safely, and be ready to go as soon as they get to their next position. Yeah, but don't be afraid to use blue uh, in places where you're gonna have guests working. Uh, especially if the actor is going to be staying in that area and not having to travel through darker areas where their vision doesn't matter. If they're staying in the same general area, the type of or the color of lighting you're using is less important uh, because they'll be used to it and they will always be exposed to the same. It's only when your actors are changing the areas they're at with different kinds of lighting that you need to be thinking about uh, this item. Why don't we take a short break before we move on and talk about where you can find us on social media? Sure. I love it. Are we on social media? Um, in one or two places. Great. You can find us on Twitter at HauntingUniver1. That is Haunting, U-N-I-V-E-R-1. Okay, what's the Facebook address? That's Facebook.com slash HauntingU with the letter U. Excellent. And one update I want to provide. You can find us on Stitcher, Podbeam, and all of our episodes are now available for download on iTunes. Huzzah! I have confirmed it is fixed and I have confirmed it works. After one or two hiccups, they are now available to download. After six or seven months of one or two See? hiccups. See, and now you can binge listen to us. <laughs> Please do, because it'll just up our numbers. But if you if you like what, what we're doing and you like to support the podcast, but you don't have time to listen, go ahead and just download. Don't listen. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Mm. Nice. All right. So, Kay, how do you power all those fancy lights you have spread throughout your haunt? Well, that's a great question, John, and it depends on the type of lighting system that you end up using. Uh, everything we've really talked about so far is – actually, that's not totally true because the nano spots are not. Um, <laughs> but your, uh, the vast majority of your floodlights, your spotlights, your blacklights, your strobe lights that you can get readily available inexpensively on the open market are going to be 120-volt fixtures. <laughs> That should sound familiar to everyone because that's what your standard plug inside your home is, is 120 volts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have, I have no memory. I know, I know. So what does this mean from an electrical standpoint and not tripping your breakers? Thank you for bringing that up. Um, wow, a good legitimate question. Because it's 100 – it, I, wow, I don't even know how to deal with a legitimate question. I'm so thrilled. My off. apologies. I'll drink my second beer faster. <laughs> Please do. He'll get Thank back you. to illegitimate Thank questions. Thank you. They're like illegitimate children, but I think easier to manage. Right. So um, inside your house, you have a breaker panel, and that breaker panel takes the uh, the main electrical feed that's coming into your house, and it sends it out to the rest of the house, uh, splitting up onto different circuits. Each circuit has a circuit breaker to prevent you from overloading the, um, the design characteristics of that circuit. The vast majority are going to be 15 amp circuits. Some will be 20 amp circuits um, if they are so designed, to, if they're designed to handle that higher load. Think microwave. 
for instance. But for the most part, you're going to be dealing with 15 amp circuits. And so you have to ma ensure that you are, you are not putting more than 15 amps on any individual circuit. Otherwise, you're going to pop the circuit breaker and your haunt will end up in the dark. As you're plugging in all your lights, you have to make sure that you're not exceeding 15 amps. How do you do that? Well, simple math. I'm so screwed here. Now, John. I'm so out. I know. I... John, I want you to stop me. <laughs> John, I want you to stop me if I get too detailed, but here's how you're going to determine if you're exceeding 15 amps. Every light bulb has a watt stop. rating. <laughs> Keep going. This is the basic. <laughs> when you pick up a light bulb, it will say on the package, this is a 60-watt light bulb. This is a 15-watt light bulb. This is a... 22 and a half watt light bulb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I gotta pull up a calculator. Yeah, real quick. definitely stop. There's calculators involved. You need to stop like five spots before that. To determine the power that any circuit is providing, you want to look at the voltage and the current. Power equals voltage times current. P equals IV. Did you follow that? I is current, V is voltage, P is power. P equals IV. We know the power of our light bulb. In this case, we're talking about a 60 watt light bulb. We know the voltage because it is standard throughout the country at 110 or 120 volts. I use 110 for all of my calculations because that gives me the maximum current I could possibly have. So with a 60 watt light bulb, I then divide it by the 110 volts and that gives me 0.545 or 0.55 amps. That's about half an amp. So if I want to not exceed that 15 amp rating on that breaker, I can not put any more than... Are you actually doing the calculations nope. live here? Yeah, I'm actually doing the calculations live. That's why I keep having to stop to punch numbers in the oh, calculator. Man. Would it, uh... So I can't have any more than 27 lights wired together on that circuit um, to avoid going over the 15 amps. That gives me 14.7 amps. Very rarely in this day and age will you find a 60-watt light bulb, though, um, because of... Um, so a couple of years ago, they passed a law that says all incandescent lights have to be uh, gotten rid of by a certain year. And that year was, I think, 2017, maybe 2016. Anyway, the vast majority of lights that you will find, unless they're a very specific type of light that's exempt from that law, is an LED. And LEDs um, draw significantly less current than your regular incandescent light bulb. So you need to pay close attention to the packaging of your LED bulbs because it will say something like 60 watt equivalent. And a 60 watt equivalent bulb does not actually draw 60 watts. Hang on, I gotta pull up a bulb because I don't know what it actually draws. Essentially, mm -hmm. when you're determining what lights to use, look at the package, read and Google for your calculations. For all of you who are concerned about the math, Google is your friend and will give you 90% of the calculations that you need to figure out. Suffice to say, with the changes in the law and the removal of the incandescent bulbs and the replacement with LEDs, etc., you can basically have more lights plugged into the same circuit without worrying about tripping it. Everything she just said. But back to my, the point that I was trying to make as she was saying it, your standard 60-watt equivalent bulb, which gives – so your 60-watt equivalent bulb will give off as much light as a 60-watt incandescent – but only draw eight and a half watts instead of 60. So if you're using all of those, you can use seven times more lights or up to 190 LED 60 watt equivalents in your haunt before you'll exceed that 15 amps. That's all the math I have for today. Oh, God, thank you. <laughs> but again, if you got lost on the math, if you're concerned, read the package of the light that you bought, go onto Google, do some quick you know, Google questioning, and honestly, unless you're putting more than 200 lights onto one circuit, you should be just fine. <laughs> and if you're putting more than 200 lights onto one circuit, I'd be more concerned about how you're plugging them all in than the actual lights that you're using. What an amazing segue into the next point I wanted to make. <laughs> you're welcome. If you got lost on the math, got lost assumes you were ever on the path in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did start you off so, on the yellow brick road. And then it got it got a very, very dark turn. Well, yeah, you had to go into the forest. Yeah, so... Find the Cowardly Lion. Yeah, nothing's worse than a dark math forest. But <laughs> Ooh, hot idea. Dark math uh, forest. <laughs> absolutely not. 
<laughs> Sorry, K. What were you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> I give up. <laughs> Sorry. I can't get dark math forest out of my head. Oh, thank you for You're that. Welcome. Hello. So, fantastic. Never mind. We've talked about, yeah. So we've talked about your where you're putting the lights, what kind of lights you're putting where, uh, but how are you getting power out to them? For that, for the the vast majority of the time, I'm using a ton of extension cords. <laughs> Sorry. Extension cords are dangerous in more ways Not than one. Not as dangerous as a math force. But moving. Sorry. Yep. Extension cords are dangerous. Extension cords are dangerous because you have lots of wires running all over your haunt and potentially creating tripping hazards for the people who are walking through dark spaces, scared out of their minds, and unable to see what's down at their feet. Um, so, as a general rule, in every one of my haunts, I do not allow any extension cords to be run on the ground. They either have to be run um, above the gas I think that's wise. or underneath the floor. Yep, and that and that's... Um, just a standard practice in my haunts, either underneath the floor, so I often will use, like, pallets as the floor, so I have a three-inch gap under the floor where I can run all those cords safely. Um, alternatively, I've run them over the top of the walls as well, um, and that's a very effective way, especially since most of my lights are up there. It's very easy to uh, run all the extension cords above the haunts and plug them in that way. Make sure you are not plugging a ton of stuff into a single outlet. There, the safe way to do that is using a power strip or using a cord that has multiple outlets on it. Uh, we'll be putting out a video uh, on YouTube that will show how to wire multiple outlets uh, together safely uh, so you can create your own really long runs with multiple outlets uh, to power your home. Stacking extension cords is not okay. Fact. That's a good way to electrocute yourself and uh, potentially cause. That seems fires. like something I'd do. Which is why you're not allowed to I electric concur. do any of our electric on any of our haunts. So, uh, control of your lights. What are your lights doing? <laughs> I'm sorry, you said that. Like, <laughs> what are your lights doing this weekend? I'm sorry. <laughs> so, John, what are your lights doing this weekend? They're illuminating my haunt so nobody gets hurt and everything is as scary as it's supposed to be. How do I manage to make that happen? Well, there's a couple of ways. So if you're just turning your lights on and they will be on the exact same brightness for the entire, uh, throughout your haunt for the entire night, that's super easy. You plug it in, you set the brightness using a dimmer switch, and you're done. Go. Okay, and if you uh, want to change your light. If you want to mix it up a little bit, there are a couple of ways to do that. Uh, my favorite, and granted this is a little bit expensive, but I'm all in now, is using a product called Lightorama. What is that? I think by now everyone is familiar with the scenes of uh, Christmas lights being synchronized to music uh, and dancing around to like Trans-Siberian Orchestra songs. Most of the people who are doing that are using this product called Lightorama. To get started with it, it takes a few hundred dollars, but it is the most powerful piece of lighting software that is super intuitive and isn't, like, um, for theatrical quality. So it comes with a controller. Um, most of the controllers that I have are 16 channels. So I can run 16 separate circuits um, doing 16 different things all at the same time. So in the past, I've done things like have my uh, jack-o'-lanterns laughing or flashing along with uh, a laughter soundtrack um, or thunder and lightning effects or even just like changing the colors of um, of the ambient lighting in a space I can do all of that using this Lightorama software um, it's very intuitive to use you it gives you a grid uh, that is over time and you just click in these box you just click in the boxes at this time I want this light this light and this light to turn on and this light this light and this light to turn on and this light and this light and this light to turn on at this time and you do that for the entire period set it for a loop and then leave it for the night and forget it I love this so software. essentially it's sound editing software for lights it's better but okay. yes okay <laughs> 
So does it offer a free trial oh. um, for people who want to give it a test run but aren't entirely sure if they're ready to buy in? That's a great question. Let me look real quick. I think it does, but it's been so long since I trialed it that I don't remember. <laughs> and again, you know, if you are looking for software, if you are looking for programs to help you manage things, do look for free trials. Um, there's no reason to try and, and buy into something that you're not entirely sure that you want, that you're not entirely sure that's going to be useful. Um, you know, we're, we're all about free we're all about free as much as we can because otherwise this gets really expensive. So, you know, do, do, do look around and, and, and check out to see what, what you can find and what you can try um, before using and before spending a significant, significant amount of money to buy in to a product that might not actually be useful for help. Uh, how you run your haunt. Yeah, so they do offer a free demo software. Uh, it will not control any lights, but it will at least let you see um, what the software can do uh, and how easy it is to program. If you want to download the software for free, um, you can do that. One of the coolest things that, uh, one of the coolest pieces, like functionality, one of the coolest functions that the software has is uh, an animation where you can actually draw out what your display is going to look like using the uh, separate channels. And then when you push play in the software, the animation animates uh, using the programming that you did. So you can see everything happen on the computer without ever having to hook up lights or controllers. So that's what I'm doing like all year long, getting ready for my Christmas display, uh, just using that animation as I'm making changes so that it's basically ready to go once December hits and I'm actually putting up lights. So again, this is something that as you're planning your haunt, you can test out way, way in advance and have a solid idea of what everything's going to look like by the time you actually have to start to build it. Um, that way you're not trying to realize halfway through your build that you need to completely redesign your lights. Um, you can do all, you can exactly. do a lot of work beforehand. Exactly. It's not going to be perfect because you're obviously not going to see uh, where the light's throwing and such. Um, but it definitely got me like easily 85% done uh, before I ever started setting up anything. 85%? That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, it was. Um, that's why I love this software. It's absolutely it's the best for what it does. So we've spent the last several minutes talking about uh, lighting, but. At the same time, you don't necessarily need to have any lighting at all, Leslie. So as we were talking to Brian Boyle, and if you listened to our eighth episode, you would have heard his interview where he discussed um, what they did, which was they, in an effort to try and change up their haunt and, and try something new, they did what they called witching hour, which is they turned out all the lights in their haunt. They gave each group a little electric tea light, again, fire apparently bad, um, to go through the haunt with, you know, eight people huddled around this little electric tea light. And they had such an overwhelming positive response. They had people coming up to them who had gone through the haunt as normal and then had stayed and gone through the, through the witching hour haunt. And they kept coming up and getting this reaction of, how did you change the haunt so completely in the 20 minutes between when we went through and when we went through again? Um, no light makes a huge difference in a very, very similar way that no sound does. It's awkward. It's disorienting. You can't see. So all of your scares are going to be completely different. And your audience and your guests have, I mean, even if they've already been through, they go through so fast because of the scares that they have no ability to memorize anything. So going through again with no lights, it is a completely different haunt for the same reason that when you're trying to fumble around your house and you've just moved the furniture and your the lights are out you're going to stumble and trip over everything because you can't see we are you know we're human beings are designed to operate on sight um going through and operating in complete darkness is not something that a majority of us are comfortable with or have really any experience with so no light can be as effective if not more so than light depending on what your goal is and what you're trying to do. Yeah, uh, a number of the presenters at uh, the West Coast Hunters Convention mentioned that if they had known uh, how much people enjoyed just walking through a, uh, a dark maze, they wouldn't have spent so much on their props <laughs> and everything and just put up some walls and let people walk through in the dark. If you want to save on lighting, just don't black. use any. 
set up your scares and run people through. Great so. way to save on light. Well, and then you can also, indeed, indeed. as soon as you take away the light, you can actually further utilize all of the other five senses. You can utilize your sound very differently. So change up your sounds. You could utilize smells. Oh, man. Uh, that's another one that I absolutely love <laughs> from uh, Fright Props. Yep. Fright Props offers all of these, um, they call them scent, other scent cups. Um, and you can find just a wide variety of smells. Um, Do they have like honestly, freshly baked like, cookies or like so? Well, but so here's just looking at their uh, just so I'm looking at their website right now: apple pie, baked bread, barnyard, boiler room, bubble gum, burnt rubber, campfire, cannonball, chainsaw, charred corpse, cherry, <laughs> chocolate chip cookie, cinnamon, circus animal, what you like? coffee, cotton candy, dirt. Electric chair. I want to know what that what feels like. like. Exhaust fuel. Forest. Garlic. Candy. Gasoline. Gothic. Gunpowder. Haunted house. Hell. Holiday spice. Hospital. Jet fuel. Lime mint. Manure. Mildew. Mojito mint. Ooh. Mothball. Ocean. Peppermint. Can I mix hell and mojito Pine tree. mint? <laughs> I mean, I, they, zombie. I don't, I don't want to know what zombie is. Well, I'm like sure it's the, probably similar um, to charred flesh, except less char and more gooey. It's like the the yeah, thirty one like flavors that. of horror. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it unnerved <laughs> me that cherry came after charred flesh. I mean, I it's alphabetical. I get you know, it. I'm just saying. Charred flesh, cotton candy, mix the two. Ooh, exactly. body at a carnival. <laughs> so, um, Fright Props sells these scent distribution boxes, and it's very similar to like your uh, what you see in a public restroom uh, that blows out an air freshener every so often. It, it basically looks like that. So you drop one of these scent cups in there, uh, and then it will do that for uh, your haunt uh, all night long. That's the thing that Arkham was missing, was the scent of apple pie just wafting through the halls. Yes, yeah, no, exactly. No, Arkham was missing the scent uh, so of electric chair because, you know... I don't think they, you know, electro electroshock therapy. <clears throat> that's that's what that's that's the smell it was missing, along with uh, a little bit of you know not quite char yeah, corpse. Yeah, it's like a shiatsu massage for your brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love electroshock. So that can get a little expensive though. Uh, each of the cups is twenty five dollars, and then it's another twenty five dollars for the scent distribution box. Um, but there's no reason you can't do scents on your own as well. Uh, one guy we talked to at the convention, one haunter, um, actually used a crock pot full of bacon fat uh, oh, inside a butcher room, <laughs> inside a butcher shop. Of yeah, course. Uh, and it's just it's just so perfectly fitting, and I mean inexpensive. Well, and, you, like, and even though you know bacon fat every and day. butcher shop, not necessarily because you're not you're not really going to be cooking in a butcher shop. There's enough of an association for people to make a connection and turn it into the horror that it needs to be. So you don't need to necessarily have the, what's the smell of blood and charred corpse. Um, you can do something that's similar <laughs> that you can, you know, easily access without spending fifty dollars to purchase something or the illegality of, of torching a corpse, uh, and still make the connection and your audience will make the leap. And as soon as you take away one of their other senses, they're going to make that leap that much more strongly and that much more quickly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Please don't kill anyone for these smells. We should just put that out there. Indeed. Thank you for that disclaimer. I'm just <laughs> saying. Lawrence will be thrilled. I'm, I think we just have the one, but yeah. Well, I think that about covers it. Um, does anybody else have anything they want to add? If you do have any questions on lighting, um, how to light your haunt, techniques, uh, tools, we'll uh, definitely need to update our haunter's toolbox after this episode. Um, but if you do have any questions, then do get it, do catch us on our, our Twitter or our Facebook page. Uh, Kay and John, you want to reiterate what those are? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, check out our Facebook page because that is going to be uh, where we post notices of uh, all the videos that we're putting on YouTube and uh, notifications of new podcast episodes. Uh, that's www.facebook.com slash haunting you with the letter U. 
And that, of course, feeds Twitter as well. John, what's our Twitter feed? Uh, the Twitter handle is at HauntingUniver1. That's Haunting, U-N-I-V-E-R-1. Uh, check out Twitter for our latest polls. Uh, there was something having to do with K's boxers. I'm sure we'll come up with something. Um, and should we give Harley fire or not? So we'll put those up there and vote. Um, if you vote anything positive for the boxers, I'll find you. <laughs> If you vote anything positive for Harley and Fire, she'll find you. Yes. And thank you. (laughs) I think that about does it. Well, thank you for joining us. And as always, happy haunting. Bye, everyone. Haunting You is a production of the Rocky Mountain Home Haunters, LLC. All audio clips and sound effects are used under a Creative Commons attribution or public domain license from Purple Planet Music at www.purple-planet.com or the Sound Bible at soundbible.com. Please see our Facebook page for more information on all the clips used in this episode. can be reached via Facebook at www.facebook.com slash haunting you with the letter U or on Twitter using the handle at haunting Univer one that's haunting U-N-I-V-E-R-1 be sure to check out our new page on Podbean at www.hauntingyou.podbean.com so Kate where is this kitty located and how can that placement of the kitty affect your haunt well as everyone should be well aware cats are of the devil and so anytime that you can incorporate a cat into your haunt uh you are really invoking the power of the devil and the fear that goes along with that to help create a darker atmosphere i know now i i know the the first thing our our listeners are going to want to do is go to like a a black cat just because of the classics, I'll tell you what you really want if you want to scare, is that like furless alien-looking cat, this like oh, Siamese nice. one. Yes. Be nice to the sphinxes; they're sweet. I'm sure their demeanor is delightful. Sphinx cats are sweet. They, I'm sure they are. They just look incredibly unnerving. Sphinx cats give like sphinx cats belie the. Uh, idea that cats always land on their feet because their heads tend to look like they've landed on them a few times.